Your source for community, Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Sweet Spots on Muskoka Magazine. Welcome to Sweet Spots on Muskoka Magazine, where passions, purpose, and pursuits collide. I'm Sue Kelly, and for the next 30 minutes, I'll be shining a spotlight on someone who has created their unique sweet spot in life. This broadcast is coming to you from the Bay's satellite studio at the very cool sweet spot in Gravenhurst, the Sawdust City Brewery. And today, I am very honored to have Natalie Bubella in the studio. Uh, Natalie is the former Chief Executive Officer and President of, Magonk- of Muskoka Algonquin Healthcare. Uh, welcome to the show, Natalie. I am so glad to be here, Sue. Thank you very much for inviting me. Well, you're welcome. And it's, it's even more of a pleasure because we're both nurses. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm so proud of how well you've done in your nursing career. And it just might inspire others who are out there listening um, and seeing uh, what one can do in nursing. I mean, it's so vast, isn't it? It absolutely is. There's all kinds of different doors one can go through in nursing. And, and mm-hmm. I think I've been able to demonstrate that in my career. And I've been very grateful to it. And hopefully this does inspire people to come into this profession. Absolutely. Uh, I know I've done a lot of different things as well. And so, Natalie, my first question always is, so what's your sweet spot in life? My sweet spot in life is all about helping other people. And I think that's really what attracted me to go into the nursing profession. It's around helping other people do better in whatever crisis they may be facing or healthcare trauma, whatever it may be. So it's, it's always been about helping other people. Um, yes, I can see that because regardless of what you're doing in nursing and in other professions, you do make a difference. Like one on one, whether it's the patient, now client, um, I'm an old nurse, I'm a little older than you, but, um, and, uh, also, um, with staff, how you mentor and help staff along the way and, all of that. It's absolutely all of that. Yeah. And I will say to you that over the years, I've had people that really invested and in, in trusted in me, uh, pushed me, they saw something in me that maybe mm-hmm. I didn't see myself. And as mm-hmm. a result, was able to grow and develop um, as a nurse and as an administrator. And I want to give some of that back to people. And I think that I've done that over my career. Excellent. So tell our listeners a little bit about your background. Well, I'm Ukrainian by background. Uh, my mm. parents both came over during the 1940s, and I grew up in Kingston, Ontario. I was born and bred there. I went to school there. actually did my baccalaureate in nursing at Queen's University. So uh, my first uh, 21 years or so was, was all in Kingston, Ontario, and then I went into uh, my nursing career. Okay, um, that's cool. So was there a moment in your youth or, you know, later in high school, preparing for university or whatever, that inspired your desire to go into nursing? Well, I'll say it's it's a bit of a convoluted road that I took, Sue, to get into nursing. I had originally been very interested in geography and tectonic plates, etc. So I applied to, to Dalhousie University and was accepted there to uh, go into university to do uh, oceanography, not, not the... Uh, um, you know, the, the sea part of it, but more the geography part wow. of it. 
But my uh, parents, um, you know, did well for us as, as a family, but they were struggling a bit in terms of the cost. There were three of us in university at the same time. And so I, I did a reconsideration of what is it do I really want to do with my life? And I thought, you know what, I think I'd rather go into nursing. So I didn't accept the position at Dalhousie, applied to Queens, was very lucky to get in because at that time it was, it was difficult. Um, there were small uh, enrollment uh, class sizes at that time because there wasn't a need for nursing um, and just felt so privileged when I was accepted into the four-year program. So that's how I got into nursing. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I was a St. Mike's grad, St. Michael's Hospital. So that was um, was my experience. And today, all of nursing is at the university level. Wait a minute, college? Yes. Uh, you know, yeah, RPN is, yeah. you know, at the college yeah. level. Am I correct there? Yes, you are. Yeah, or university for the registered nurse. It, it's both. Is it, it depends. Both? Okay. Yeah, it's now moved into the, the colleges to have the ability to uh, provide nursing degrees. Oh, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so tell me about um, the early years as a young registered nurse. Um, and and in that, or was there a fork in the road that you had to make you were asked to make a decision or you felt you were drawn in a certain path and you, you chose it or you didn't choose it or, or whatever. Sure. I'd be happy to answer that. So I'll start with what my um, early experiences in nursing were like. And it was, I would say it was really tough slugging, a lot of hard work. There wasn't the same technology available. And so you'd remember this from your nursing days. You know, there weren't IV pumps. There weren't any of those no. types of gadgets <laughs> available. So um, <laughs> when I first started working, I worked on a general surgical unit with a lot of cancer patients on it. There would be 36 patients uh, for two nurses on nights. So if that gives you an idea yes. of what the workload was like mm-hmm. with no IV pumps. So it was, you know, gravity, yes. IVs that you had to check all the time oh, because yeah. of they were positional, et cetera, et cetera. But it was really the the sense of team nursing and the way we all worked together was just absolutely phenomenal. But it was hard work. Where I would say that I took a fork in the road was when I was working as a clinical nurse specialist in cancer at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Center. So working, having worked in general surgery with on that cancer floor that I first mentioned, I got very interested in cancer nursing. And part of my master's degree was um, in the, the area to prepare me better to become a cancer specialist and then got a position at Sunnybrook. What I found there is that I made a lot of difference, I believe, as a specialist in the lives of individual patients and their families, and actually helped influence the practice of some of the nurses as well on the floor. But I really felt that I could have more of an impact if I moved into administration, where hopefully um, my impact uh, or influence would be able to impact more people delivering care and as a result benefiting more people in, in that were there for, for care. So that's when I decided that the road that I wanted to take was administration. That sounds like a, an excellent path. Um, and I can see why if you can support one patient and family, how much more you could do supporting the nurses that care for it individual yes. patients and families and uh, mentoring them along. And so um, I think about, so back then and then opportunities today and new roles for nurses. Uh, for example, you were a clinical specialist because you had your master's. Correct. It allows you to specialize in a certain area. Right. And there's that still today. 
And then there's the nurse practitioner yep. role. Um, maybe you'd like to just comment on that for a minute, uh, uh, that opportunity for well, I nurses. Think that, I think that's an excellent expansion that wasn't available when I was in my younger formative years as a nurse. Perhaps I would have selected that route to take at that time. Um, I think the nurse practitioner has a lot to contribute. It is an expanded role for nursing. It helps reduce some of the load that, that our general practitioners were facing uh, historically. And, and the ability for the nurses to be able to do much of what they're doing today is absolutely there. So, I mean, I think it's a valuable role. And I'm very proud of the, of, uh, the uh, nurses that have taken on that direction in their practice. And so, you know what, uh, if I could share my fork in the road was I was a visiting nurse. I was always in the community. I worked for St. Elizabeth visiting nurses in the GTA and an opportunity to um, become a the palliative care coordinator. So I then took a path and specialized in palliative care. And uh, and then lots of doors open because I had a specialty. That's mm-hmm. one something I would recommend to nurses if you have, after a few general years of nursing, if you have a love for something, specialize in it because there's just a plethora of opportunities will roll out of that. I absolutely agree with that, Sue. It's, you're, you're absolutely right. With developing that type of specialty, not only do you have an Im- Im- uh, ability to influence and impact care, but you're going to be sought after as well as that expert. And, and you can do a lot of public speaking, mm-hmm. uh, act on advisory boards, whatever it may be, to help promote a, a higher level of care in that subspecialty. So totally agree that that's a, a direction to consider. You know, you give me goosebumps listening to your talk. It's all about nursing. And I, I'm just so passionate about our, our chosen profession. But you know what? This is a good uh, spot to just pause. We're going to take a quick break. We've been talking to Natalie Bubella, who is the former Chief Executive Officer and President of Mus- 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 Muskoka Algonquin Healthcare. I don't know why I stumble over that. I'm Sue Kelly, and you're listening to Sweet Spots on Muskoka Magazine. This is Dr. Shervin. Hello. Dr. Shervin owns a dental practice in Huntsville. Yes, ma'am. But it's not only a dental practice. Dairy Lane Dental plays a major role in our community, supporting organizations that enrich your town like Community Radio, being a member of the Bay Food Crew, and Huntsville Hospital Foundation Business Cares Program. Dr. Shervin and his team at Dairy Lane Dental knows that alongside truly understanding their patients by providing a pleasant dental experience comes a responsibility to to take care of our home. This is correct. Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. Buy Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Sweet Spots on Muskoka Magazine. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Sue Kelly, and my guest today is Natalie Bubello, who is the former uh, CEO and president of Muskoka Algonquin Healthcare. And uh, Natalie, you had quite a challenging position. You were managing two hospital sites, two hospital foundations, two hospital auxiliaries with different cultures and HR issues, technology and finances. Wow, what were the most challenging issues in your tenure um, that you'd like to share? Well, thanks for that question, Sue. I mean, there's, there were a lot of challenges, and there were a lot of, of course, very positive things. But I guess the two 
that I would want to talk about. One would be the financial situation of the hospital, and the other is presence. I, I really, I'll start with presence first. I think being present, particularly when there are different cultures and different um, sites, as you've just outlined in your introductory comments, it's really important to be present. And so I found that people would often keep track of where I was and whether I was spending more time at one site or the other, or favoring one site or the other more. And that really was a challenge because there's no question that I was looking at both of the sites as a system. So it was one hospital organization that happened to have two sites. And so sometimes the decisions that were being made by the senior team or by myself uh, weren't necessarily popular. So, and, and that often was as a result of what I would call, uh, and I don't mean this disparagingly, but the Hatfields and McCoys, keeping, oh, a, keeping a, you know, a, a look at uh, a numbering of, of who got what, when and where, and how come we didn't get it. And that was a real issue. And, and I'll um, just add that up with the financial part of it. And what I mean by that is that Early in my career, there were some huge financial challenges at the hospital, which required some very difficult operational decisions to be made. So, for instance, when we single-sided cataracts to one site, the questions often were, well, why did Huntsville get it? Why didn't Bracebridge? Well, Bracebridge got gynae surgery as a result of single-siding it. But that just people just didn't seem to be able to see that. And it was always if they were getting that we want. It's almost like children keeping track of who got what for a present and that we did theirs cost the same. It's so again, human, I'm exactly. wanting to be polite about that, mm -hmm. but that was a huge challenge for people to understand that there wasn't favoritism operating here. It was around what made the most sense financially to keep the, the services going, but actually be able to add it. And over the 11 years, well, it was 10 years and 11 months, <laughs> we were able to introduce services that were not there before I got there. And that was because of very careful management of the fiscal envelope. Well, you know, I would like to comment that um, sort of watching over the years and attending some of the public sessions that uh, you held, and, and when all these decisions were being made and about whether to have one site or two sites, et cetera, I have to say that in my experience and with my friends' experiences, when we needed care, um, that it, it was always there. It didn't matter that we weren't at a big city hospital, um, that it was provided, first of all, it was an emergency. You got to the ER and you were assessed. If you needed at that time... Um, uh, CAT scan. I think you went to Aurelia, but you you were brought to Aurelia. You came back. You were, you know, you didn't want to duplicate services at these two sites. You had to be fiscally um, responsible for all that. And I just thought it was done brilliantly. And uh, also the staff um, was wonderful. I've heard so many people. I've never heard anyone actually ever have a negative comment about, it's usually an ER experience when people are so stressed, but their needs are met and the staff was so responsive. Um, and so, you know, it does start at the top. So I kudos to you, Natalie. Um, and so moving on then, um, so those were in challenges indeed. What are you most proud of in your tenure? I would say the quality of, of the credentialed staff and the point-of-care staff, all staff actually at Muskoka Algonquin Healthcare, they've come a long way over the uh, almost 11 years that I was there. And I think that was uh, definitely validated with the exemplary status that we received through Accreditation Canada yes. about three years ago. 
So tell everybody, what is Accreditation Canada in the healthcare system? So Accreditation Canada is a body that actually accredits accredits um, hospitals and other providers. And I'm actually a surveyor for Accreditation Canada. So uh, I've done surveys around the world, actually, for cool. them. That's another yeah. thing you could do with yeah. nursing. And yeah. that's absolutely another thing you mm-hmm. could do in nursing and, mm-hmm. and really, uh, you know, encourage people to uh, consider that. Um, but what happens is that a team of surveyors that are independent from the hospital will come to the organization and and look at what we're doing in terms of providing care in all variety of areas. So it's not just in terms of how you provide nursing care or medical care. It's around the cleanliness of the building, the physical facilities, the HR practices, the quality improvements, etc. All of that is looked at against a body of recognized standards. And then you're evaluated on that. And there's about 2,400 standards approximately that we would have been evaluated against about three years ago. And based on how we did on those standards, uh, we received the highest award you can get in Accreditation Canada, and that is exemplary status. So really proud of Team Mac. Team Mac, way to go. That is, it's almost unheard of. I know I was in community health care, and you can you can receive a status of, I even forget now because it's been a few years, um, but at certain levels that you need improvements in, in certain areas and, and whatnot, but that meant that you you had no improvement ne- necessary, needed. Yeah, there were a couple of areas that they pointed <clears> to, <throat> and that's what you know, accreditation is all about, mm-hmm. is how you can constantly improve. It's a journey that you should be on, mm-hmm. and so cuumentum is what they call it, so uh, you know, constant momentum or motion going forward. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, the, they, they did exceptionally well. And I think the thing, Sue, too, that's important to know is that two-site organizations or multi-site oh. organizations are, are not as likely to be accredited with exemplary yes. status yes. as a single site, just because of, as we talked earlier, the different cultures and the different um, services that may be provided. It's, it's just a little harder to get. I can imagine, yes. And so thinking about these sites and changing our uh, discussion a little bit, could you tell our listeners, where are we at related to the one or two hospital sites? So the last I heard prior to uh, retiring was that we had not formally heard anything back uh, from the capital branch. At this point, the the stage one that we submitted to the to the capital branch, there were a number of questions that came back and forth. Uh, we answered them, we believe, to their satisfaction because they didn't come back with any more questions. So we're in a wait and see mode. Um, I did reach out to them prior to uh, retiring just to uh, uh, agitate them a bit, just to see where things were back, but Mm -hmm. nothing formal has come back at all. So hopefully uh, the organization will hear very soon because uh, we absolutely need to be moving ahead. It's just taking too long. Indeed. All right. So Natalie, I, I have to ask you about COVID. And so... What comment would you like to make about um, how your staff have managed through COVID-19? I mean, they're tired, but I've got to tell you, I am so proud of them. That team showed up every day, despite being particularly in the first wave of the uh, the pandemic. They were they were frightened, as all of us yes. were. We didn't know what to expect. It was you know, was it going to be the same as SARS? Uh, earlier in my career, and I, I worked through that as well. Yet despite that, they were caring individuals that came in, um, supported each other. And I think that was uh, very, very important. We mm-hmm. were ha- we had each other's back to make sure that nobody was not garbing properly or mm-hmm. in any way not 
following, um, you know, the appropriate guidelines that needed to be in place to keep not only the staff safe, but also our patients. So they've done an exceptional job. There's no question there's more of a presence of COVID in the community in this wave with the Omicron um, and increased admissions, as I understand, to the hospital. But they've done an, an amazing job. Well, and um, our heartfelt thanks to all of your angels that are, you know, working at those two sites. I'd like to move on now. I was delighted when I read in the paper about the Natalie Bubella Nursing Scholarship Fund. Uh, tell us about that and who can apply. And Well, I just I was just so grateful when the, the foundation in Huntsville approached me about that and indicated that they would like to uh, do that in, in honor of my years of service at the hospital. And they particularly wanted to honor nurses, given that that's my background. And so uh, what, as I understand it, what it is, is it's $5,000 a year for five years. So a total of $25,000 for either a nurse that wants to uh, become an RPN or an RN or become Good. specialized or do a nurse practitioner. And then there would be criteria that the hospital would put out in conjunction with the foundation and people would apply. There would be a panel that would determine who would receive that funding and then it would be announced. I'm assuming at one of the foundation events in, in, in partnership with the hospital as to who was uh, the worthy recipient of that, um, the dollars to help them get through school. Well, that's um, such a lovely testament for you that they've done that and uh um, I'm just so delighted that nursing is being supported as we chatted about throughout our conversation this morning. And so, um, Natalie, thank you so much for sharing your your passion and your compassion, your strength and unwavering commitment to healthcare uh, for your entire career. Um, it's been a pleasure having a fellow nurse um, on my show today. And uh, so join me next Sunday morning at eight o'clock for another episode of Sweet Spots. Or you can go online and just um, download one of the podcasts because we are Muskoka on the Bay, CKAR 88.7 on your FM dial. <laughs>